What is up, good people? Welcome to more football alongside Richard Johnson and Vach Lombardi. I'm your host, Adnan Burke. I'm the old man of the group, so trying to get a little more youth in here by wearing a backwards hat. But does it work or not? Let us know. Tweet us and let us know. We've got lots of great games to get to, lots of hot topics, including what exactly constitutes a rebuild, who's the hot team coming out of the NFC. But first and foremost, we're going to talk about diversity. The NFL is discussing the fact that, listen, they've got to get more diversity here when it comes to the coaching ranks and the GM ranks. In fact, uh, it's only four minority head coaches and two minority GMs. And there was this idea they were kicking the tires on before in which if you actually, you know, signed a minority head coach or GM, you would get a compensatory draft pick. Now what's being modified and discussed and the resolution has been approved here, Richard, is that if one of your minority personnel does get hired somewhere else, you will then receive a compensatory draft pick. So you bring someone into the fold who maybe people aren't accustomed to, that person gets rewarded with a job and as a minority, then you get rewarded for it. Your thoughts on the NFL trying to improve the diversity here. Look, I, I'm glad the NFL is not exactly patting themselves on the back for this. This is a small step. Uh, first of all, it's embarrassing that we're still here. The Rooney Rule has been around for nearly two decades. Like you said, Ednet, four head black head coaches and two GMs. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing in light of uh, what happened this summer with the player protests. It's embarrassing in light of what's painted on the field. Equality, yet the league is 50% black with its players, and there are four of 32 black head coaches. Again, it is embarrassing for the league to still be here, and it is about changing the hearts and minds of the decision makers uh, to surface more black uh, applicants and, and more qualified black coaches. Now, again, this is something that I think can help the pool of black coaches expand, uh, which I do think is necessary. Remember, this is more than just a head coach and GM issue, right? We need more black offensive coordinators. We need more black defensive coordinators. We need more black play callers because it is play callers that typically ascend to the head coaching route, or at least sort of that is one of the most common routes that, that it's done. So is it progress? I mean, I guess, but I'm not going to sit here and, and applaud the NFL for, for still not having its act together here. I mean, sure, progress is cool, change is cool, but I don't want the prize to wash away the integrity. You know what I mean? Like, Eric Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach because he's top tier. He's fantastic. He should have been hired somewhere. And Adam Gase is flat terrible, and everywhere he's been, he's just <laughs> flat out terrible. So I just want the best guys to get the job, you know? Now, I think there have been enough black bad head coaches to where we can go all right cool okay i get it we're not just forcing anybody into the seat but at least the qualified guys should get a look chris Richard should get a look somewhere so uh like i said it sucks that we're having this conversation it sucks that we got to dangle uh compensatory picks it's like what like a fifth six rounds you know something like that i hate that we got to dangle that in front of people but it is what it is and uh let's get better yeah, there's no question about it. And bottom line is this. I agree with you guys echoing the sentence. Eric sleeping with the enemy, in the words of Chris Berman. He's got to get a head coaching job sooner rather than later. And how about the job Radio Raheem Morris is doing right now? The Falcons, they're 3-1. and one. We'll talk Falcons a little bit later on, how resurgent they have been. But let's kick it off by talking about the NFC right now. And who is the favorite in this conference? You've got one loss separating the NFC's number one seed in the Saints from the number seven seed in the Rams. And via ESPN Analytics, the Packers have the second easiest remaining schedule. The Ravens have the easiest remaining schedule. So how about it, Botch? Each of these teams, I could tell you a big weakness, right? Seattle, incredible offense, but terrible defense. The Packers, I wonder about their offense after Devontae Adams at the wide receiver position. Uh, the Saints, Drew Brees, we'll get to this in a second, arm strength. How about for you? Who do you feel like most confident right now? Yeah, they're the best team in the NFC. 
everybody sucks right now. So I really don't know, <laughs> you know, and you know, I'm a cowboy fan and look, if we're not going to go to the playoffs, they can cancel the playoffs. I don't care. Cause my cowboy is not in it, but you know, it's just who can be the most consistent, I guess. And I guess that's the green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is the one old man that doesn't look like an old man. I know we come on more football here and that and that Verk loves to just bring up Tom Brady every single week. It, it must be the old man club. I love the hat, by the way, I'm 28 years old. Your backwards hat makes me feel 25. Good, good for you, sir. But you know, it's just that, it. you know, when you, when you look at the old men, it's about what's happening on the other side, right? The, uh, the defense and the opponent. So yeah, the saints won because yeah, Tom Brady turned the ball over a gang of times, right? So if you're the saints and you just play carefully, then you will be the better team in that exchange. You know, uh, the Seahawks, it could be the Seahawks and Russell Wilson is what 30 now. So he's creeping up in there somewhere sooner or later. Uh, but you can't count on his defense. It's the big 12 over there. Right? So it comes down to who can run the football, who can be consistent at quarterback and who can not get you killed on defense. It's looking like green Bay right now, but you don't want to see green Bay in one of those shootout games with Russell or Kyler or something. So we'll see. Look, Vach, we we buried uh, Old Man Breeze in the arm strength a few weeks ago. It's not that I don't think it's still a big deal, but I do think that that team seems more complete. And I'm not, I I don't want to overreact to Sunday's result. I I don't think they're going to beat the Bucs by 35 points again if they meet in January. And yes, I'm a little bit worried about Drew Brees potentially going to Lambeau Field in, you know, in January in those freezing temperatures and having to sling the rock around. But they have the best offensive line in the NFL, or at least one of them. And we know that Drew Brees isn't necessarily going to make bad decisions, right? We know that he's solid with his decision-making, and he's not going to really lose them a game because of decision-making. Now, Sean Payton's decision-making and keeping running Taysom Hill out there, a different story for a different day. But I do think the Saints right now seem really, really complete. And and I think they have an edge at this point in time over the Packers. All right. So let's get to what you guys are discussing, Drew Brees. Here's his quote about arm strength because he is aware of the cacophony of criticism that has come his way. Here's Brees' comments. Who are the ones making those statements? Do they know anything about football? Do they know anything about playing the quarterback position? In most cases, I'd say probably they don't. Richard, he just buried you in Vox. He's taking shots at you guys. You can't, you cannot sit here and say it's not an issue. It's been an issue for multiple years that the deeper the season gets, the arm starts to get more and more shot. Again, because there is, uh, there are absolutely benefits to having Drew Brees as your quarterback. He's a future Hall of Famer. Again, he's not going to make bad decisions with the ball. He also sets protections, which is a huge deal, uh, particularly if teams are going to blitz him and try to rush his decision making and try to rush that arm. Again, I'm not saying we bench Drew Brees, but you can't sit here and say the man is unimpeachable in what he's doing right now at the quarterback position. And if you're going to poke holes in his game, the arm strength is the thing you poke the hole in. Again, completion percentage, still outstanding. Decision-making, still outstanding. But don't tell me the arm is still what it was 10 years ago because it's not. I've never been a duck before, but if it walks like a duck and it quacks like one and it got a little beak just like a duck, then it looks like a duck, you know? Uh, so, yeah, Drew Brees can hit us with the you never play a quarterback a day in your life conversation all you want to, sir. But I've watched enough quarterbacks to know what that looks like. And, sir, you have a problem with arm strength. Your old man armness is showing. Your old man grumpiness is showing, Drew Brees. Get away from that mailbox. That costs money. You know, things like that. We see it in you, my guy. Plus, what happens is, okay, the older you get when it 
gets cold outside, your bones start to just ache for no reason. You know what I mean? So when we get into the playoffs, January, February, and it gets cold outside, Drew Brees is going to go, he's going to hear a little crack. Something in his elbow is not going to be in the same place that it was at first. And you, Drew Brees, are going to have problems with arm strength. And I don't have to be a quarterback or a former quarterback to know that, sir. You keep talking, sir. This is going to be a smooth day in January outside snowing somewhere, and you're going to look different. Nothing more tired than the athlete saying, well, you guys never played at this level. That's like, well, apparently I can never criticize a doctor for malpractice. Apparently I can never criticize the president of the United States because I've never been the president. That is a tired argument from Drew Brees. He should know better. One more name I want to throw out there, one more team rather, you guys haven't discussed, Kyler Murray. Rich, can I talk into saying the Cardinals are the best team in the NFC because Kyler Murray can put up points in a hurry? Kingsbury's a great offensive coach. Defense can make enough plays if necessary. Could we, it feels maybe a bit of a reach, but could we see the Arizona Cardinals being the best team in the NFC I don't know about best team in the NFC but I do know about best team in the NFC West because they're knocking on that door right now Cardinals ahead of schedule right we said during one of the first episodes of this show Cardinals were going to surprise right Cardinals were going to make a run at the playoffs probably doing more than that I mean they are securely in my opinion probably a wild card team if not potentially the winner of the NFC West Plaudits to Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Kyler Murray, Vance Joseph coordinating that defense. Everybody's doing a great job in, uh, in Arizona. They are a very solid football team right now. Well, I've never been 5'7", so I'm not going to speak on Kyler Murray and what he's going through. <laughs> but I will say they may not be the best team in the NFC, but they're good enough to play with anybody, right? That Big 12 football, sure, you can put points on us, but I'm going to drop 40 on you. So I would rather a team playing good defense to be in that uh, conversation. But, you know, if you can't put up points with them, then it's the same thing. So if everybody's in the game, then it should be a fun playoffs. Yeah, right now the NFC feels like anyone's ball game. A lot of good teams. Not sure who the best team is right now. Here's we head into week 10 of the NFL year. To zone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus exclusive Red Zone. Showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. To zone. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N, DAZN. So look at the AFC East shows as some of the best and some of the worst teams in football. The Jets are 0-9, just an absolute abomination, although they almost beat the New England Patriots. The Patriots are coming in third right now at 3-5. and The Dolphins are at 5-3. and And the Buffalo Bills are at 7-2. and For many people, Canada's team, at least if you're in southern Ontario. So this raises the conversation now, fellas. We're seeing a changing of the guard. New England, maybe they'll make the playoffs. I don't think so. They're obviously not going to win the division. So who's the favorite right now in the AFC East? Fox, I'll start with you. Is it the Bills after Josh Allen puts together a great game against the Seattle Seahawks? Or is it the Dolphins? Tua plays well, and that defense is no joke under Brian Flores. I refuse to get carried away. I will not come on this show and say nice things about the Bills and Bills Mafia. Uh, nice. They they just ha- they just haven't they haven't done enough. Now, if I'm looking at the Dolphins, it's not about Tua at all. I just think that they're the better put together team right now. Whether Tua was good or whether Tua was bad, you can go back to Fitzpatrick. Whatever your quarterback situation is, I still see the Dolphins as a whole being better than the Bills. The Bills are basically going to live and die the opposite of that, right? If Josh Allen is good, then they'll be good and. That's 
that's when they play against bad teams or bad defenses like the Seattle Seahawks, regardless of how many draft picks they've given away to go get Jamal Adams. I'm not making fun of them. But um, it's, it, it's, 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 it's more so about, okay, if Josh Allen is good or bad. That's not the case with the uh, with the Dolphins there because Tua was quasi-bad last you know last week. You know, Aaron Donald tore him up, ripped his helmet off, invited him to the league, then welcomed him and picked him back up off the ground. But they still won. And then Tua was great this week, and they still won. So I think it's basically it's basically comes down to the better team. That's the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I I'm also taking the Dolphins. I think that Josh Allen obviously has regressed from he was burning pretty bright earlier in the season, and he's regressed a little bit. Um, let's not bury the Patriots just yet. Remember, only I believe sort of three games off, like that wild card pace, still sneaking around the chicken coop. Obviously, even though Monday night was not great, Cam Newton has played well since he's been benched. And as we look long term. Patriots got like $80 million worth of cap space. So next year may be a completely different New England Patriots team. As far as this year's concern, Foch is right. Dolphins are complete, man. And they that, that's the thing where you bring a, a rookie quarterback in and you don't need him to be Superman because there is so much around him. We Both of us, I think, Foch, don't want to speak for you, but both of us, I think, really love what Brian Flores is doing there, putting together a complete football team. I had questions about Chan Gailey as offensive coordinator, but hey, look at them. <laughs> that's why uh, That's why they're paid the big bucks in Miami to, to put a football team together. So I got a yeah. question. So are the are the Patriots tanking or is it just that they just happen to run into the Jets and it's hard to be worse than the Jets? Like what like what happened? I just, I just don't think they're that good. No, remember, any given Sunday, right? Any given Sunday, yeah. one team can beat another, even though the Jets are terrible any given Sunday. Uh, you know, the Jets are professionals as well. And there's a lot of professional pride, I would imagine, playing on Monday night, uh, playing against a Patriots team that's beaten you, what was it, eight straight, I believe, coming in. Uh, but I, I, the Jets, or the, excuse me, the Patriots are not tanking. They're just not that good. Uh, and so I think they're sort of languished. They really are languishing between bad team and good team. But right now they look bad because of, obviously, the record. But I don't think they're as bad as that two-win record says they are. I got to take issue, though, with, with Rich saying that Josh Allen's regressed a little bit. He's the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era, 400 more passing yards, three or more passing touchdowns, and a 130-plus passer rating in multiple games in a season. As you said, Rich, the star shone bright the first four games. Then he went back a little bit. But that was a big-time game against Seattle. Are you going to tell me that's all just Seattle's defense is lousy? I'm going to tell you it's a lot of that, but I'm also going to tell you that what it is, and remember, we're talking about he shone brightly, then regressed, then did it again. That's up and down. That's not consistently great. That's <laughs> occasionally great. And I don't need that, particularly when we get to January. They can make up that about anything. Oh, you're the first quarterback on a Wednesday to do such and such <laughs> with mismatched socks on. Nobody cares about that, man. Get Josh Allen up out of here. Nobody cares. All right. But 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 just but just but just talking about the East, the one thing I'm upset about, I'm a Cowboys fan, Rich is a Jags fan. The the the, the damn Jets had one job. The Jets had one job is to win a game so that we can improve our tankathon status. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, but they couldn't even get that done. They suck. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Dolphins, Bills, well, they don't play each other again until a week 17. So we'll remain to be seen who exactly is the best team. Bills right now have the edge, at least by the record. But as you guys say, Miami tre arrow trending up. That builds the topic of what is a rebuild. You see Miami here as far as they're rebuilding. All right, Fitzpatrick was the guy initially. Now, you know what? We're bringing into it. Now he's the man. Defense has improved over a season ago. As you guys mentioned, Flores has been a really good head coach. You know, what is a rebuild? What constitutes a rebuild? Because you look at some of these teams right now, Miami, the Chargers, Cincinnati, Washington, 
Vach, if you're the GM, you're the guy orchestrating this team, how do you rebuild and make your team successful while not having them be an absolute doormat for years? Well, the one thing I love to do, and we can look at the rookies uh, this year and really get a good idea of that, is I like to build the house first. I, I've never been a GM, so I'm saying I like, but I would like to build the house first. Get all the help you can on that team. Find some old quarterback, you know, some older guy, some veteran, and just, you know, be bad. Be terrible and just slowly build your team. So if you look at Tua, like we just said, he's walked into a situation where all he's got to do is just be him. And Flores is kind of brilliant what he did, right? Because we know that Fitzpatrick is only good for eight games. Cool. Let's stop at eight and just put two in there. So that makes a little bit of sense. But in terms of you got wide receiving options, they could be better at running back, but they do have guys that can run the football and they drafted and free agent that life away on defense, right? So they got a lot of help. So when Tua comes in, he could just be his guy. The inverse of that is what's going on with Joe Burrow, you know, with the uh, Bengals. They have the worst offensive line I've ever seen. A.J. Green is aging. T. Higgins is having to be that guy. And they just trade away their best defender in Carlos Dunlap. So they are rebuilding. But you don't want to rebuild and get your quarterback killed, right? So if you're Trevor Lawrence, you know, do you really want to go to the Jets and their team is is in shambles? You have absolutely nothing. They've traded away, traded away everything, whether it be Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson. You don't have anything there. So... That's the big difference, and you can see the difference in, you know, success, I would say. I think we need to do a couple things. We talk about sort of rebuild status, right? The Dolphins, it's built. The thing is built, right? Uh, if anything, they're going to get even better because they're probably going to get a top 10 draft pick via the Houston Texans this year to add whatever it is that they need, right? I, I'm taking the Dolphins out of the rebuild conversations. I may even take the Chargers out of the rebuild conversation because of what we know about that defense Injuries subsiding. Okay, let's sort of take them out of that conversation. So let's talk about who is still sort of doing that rebuild um, and among these teams. You know, I, I look at the Jets and I say, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, remember, let's not forget about Mekhi Becton here. Mekhi Becton, it looks like, or in the early going, he could be a generational left tackle talent. That means I am protected when I come in as Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so I'm impressed a bit in that aspect of the Jets' sort of progression. Now, again, there's not a lot of other talent on that roster, but left tackle is a premium position in this league. As far as Washington goes, Washington's a little bit of a different story. At least they have the defense set, but on offense, basically all you've got is a really wide, a really good wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. You need more. That is the situation that I would be worried about putting a quarterback into as far as potentially getting killed uh, you know, you would imagine the Bengals get offensive line talent for Joe Burrow. I mean, they absolutely have to, right? Yeah, and, and that's a good point you guys make as far as the quarterbacks are so critical. And just when you look at Justin Herbert, because again, we can all agree the Chargers, and listen, there's questions about Anthony Lynn, there's questions about how well they play late in games. But Herbert, he broke Cam Newton's record, 2,103 passing yards, most passing yards in a rookie's first seven starts since at least 1950. And what you guys are pointing out here, listen, Becton's a good example. They're rich as far as offensive line, left tackle, why important that is you build the team. But you can have a quarterback. I know it's simplistic to say with the Chargers, though, you feel good about them because they got Herbert. Herbert's going to be a star, and you build from there, right? Um, so, so Rich, you said something that just kind of lingered in my head a little bit. So would you say that a team like the Houston Texans are rebuilding? Because they have a quarterback, but they got a new head. Well, they're going to have a new head coach situation. Their team isn't the best, and they're pretty healthy over there. They're just losing games. Are there a team that, you know, you would say is, uh, you know, rebuilding? 
So not yet, and I think we know why they're not rebuilding sure. just yet, uh, because they don't have a ton of draft picks. Um, I think you need to get through next year. I think if you look at the Texans cap situation, uh, the book's really clear after next season. Um, you kind of sort of have to get through 2021 uh, if you come into the Texans situation and try to retool it. But you have a generational quarterback, Deshaun Watson. You have a pretty good left tackle, right? And you got a pretty good key piece on the defense with uh, Zach Cunningham. So the pieces, I think, are there for the Texans. They're just not there right now because you can't augment with draft picks because you shipped all your draft picks away. So I think sort of in 2021 is going to be kind of a wash. And that's when you can, I think, rebuild and retool quickly when you get out from a lot of these cap, uh, these cap liabilities that you have. Fair enough. Well, that brings us to the topic of the tankathon here and just trading up and down. So, again, we know what it counts with the rebuild. Obviously, you have to have a great quarterback. Jerry Jones, by the way, and Vach, I'm ceding the floor to you. On not drafting quarterback, your boy said, we're fired up about our future with Dak. That's 105.3, the fans. So that appears to be clear that, listen, wherever the Cowboys are, they're going to be trading down this pick or clearly not drafting quarterback because your boy Dak's not going anywhere. Jerry Jones better think that way. If not, I'm going to go be a Jags fan with Richard. Uh, Dak Prescott is the guy. And I like... I like, you know, knowing things. One, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. I know Dak Prescott's a top five quarterback, man. You know, and, you know, you can debate whether he's six or seven or so. But it, I know he can he can put up points. He's a great leader. He's that guy in Dallas. And, you know, most of the time you'll lose a player here and there. And be like, oh, that player is worth two points. Dak Prescott is worth about 27 damn points. And it's clear you can see it, right? So, uh, it's 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 clear that we keep that guy. And the way I look at a Cowboy fan, you know, how the Cowboys fan won their Super Bowl in the 90s was we kind of had Herschel Walker, okay, and we traded him away, and we got a gang of picks, and that built our dynasty. So I'm not saying that we're going to get that kind of haul, but Trevor Lawrence may be that kind of dude. I wrote this down. Jared Goff, right, for the Rams to go get him. A first-round pick, two seconds, a third, a first next year, and a third next year. So if the Cowboys can get anything close to that, sure, get that Prescott, pay him his money, and then let's bring in all this draft help because if the Cowboys can do anything, they can draft. They may not be good at evaluating free agents, so let's just not evaluate free agents anymore. Bring in these young guys and let those tons of cheap young guys be great for like four or five years. Yeah, the Cowboys are in a great position right now. They're good. I think Vach is right. I think the Cowboys absolutely have to trade out of that spot and trade back in the draft and collect draft picks. This is the position that you want to be in all things considered, if your quarterback's going to be out the whole season and your season, roughly, is going to be a wash. I mean, the Cowboys are in a good spot right now. I don't – if you're going to tell me the Cowboys need to take a quarterback, I'm just going to laugh you off the show or out of the conversation. Dak Prescott is that dude. Vach is completely correct. So continue to put the pieces around him. You've got the receivers. Uh, maybe – I don't know if that offensive line is aging out. Vach, I don't know how you feel about that, but you probably need a little bit of that. Clearly, you need defensive help. So use some of those five draft picks you may get for somebody to trade up to augment that defense and get some premium players on that side of the ball. That brings us to the topic of the New York Jets. And we all know, listen, right now, they're 0-9. It appears they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, as they should. The guy's an absolute stud. And then becomes a question, what happens with regards to Sam Darnold? And Adam Schefter throwing out there, the price is going to be at least a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick. And this is really interesting to me here, Vox, because part of me says, okay, Sam Darnold, this guy was a can't-miss guy, stud out of college, and you're telling me now because he's been underwhelming on, a, albeit a bad team with a bad head coach, and now a second and a fifth? Like, if you asked me a couple weeks ago, I would have thought, 
maybe a couple of second round picks, maybe a second and a fourth, second and a fifth. I mean, we know how many bad quarterbacks there are in football. Someone's absolutely going to take a chance on Sam Darnold if the price is a second and a fifth. Right, Foch? Well, draft picks are valuable, but I think you have to find that balance of how valuable this player is to me. Now, we just talked about building the house first. Yeah, Sam Donald's been playing pretty bad, but look at his house. The house is terrible, you know? So then you're just going to bring Trevor Lawrence into that same bad house. So you have to evaluate how important is Sam Donald. To me, what I would do is I would bring Trevor Lawrence into this bad house with Sam Darnold, but let Sam Darnold take the responsibility of bad house. You let Trevor sit down. You let Trevor learn behind Sam Darnold, whatever it is that Sam can teach him. And you let Trev, like, get used to the game while Sam Darnold gets sacked and throw interceptions and be terrible. And while that's happening, you're building this house. Now, the good part about this, if Sam Darnold can continue to improve in that bad house, some team can notice that and be like, hey, Sam Darnold is continuing to progress and get better. Let me give you more than a second-round pick for Sam Darnold opposed to just, you know, just throwing anything at you right now and you just taking the bait. So I think it might be more valuable to keep him. Yeah, you know, I look at what may happen uh, this this offseason. Let's say Phillip Rivers sort of calls it quits, right? The Colts may be needed to win now, and maybe they take a flyer on Sam Darnold. Uh, the Vikings, I don't know what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. Maybe the Vikings do it. Uh, maybe the 49ers, if they get out of the contracts uh, that they have with Jimmy G, which is there is an out for them this offseason. I think there are some teams that may be sort of quarterback needy, uh, but not bad enough or near bad enough to to get one of the high uh, the highly regarded quarterbacks in the draft who may be able to take a flyer on the Jets. Uh, so that that second and fifth price, I think, is right, because I don't think Sam Donald's bad. I just think like Vach is saying, he's in a bad house. I agree with you guys, too. I think he still has value out there, and Darnold could still be a really good quarterback. And one other point, because we keep talking about tanking for Trevor Lawrence, and that's key. But, Rich, I give you credit. You are very early on saying, hey, watch out for Justin Fields. This guy could win the Heisman this year for Ohio State. Yeah, absolutely. And, look, Justin Fields is really, really good, but there is there is another. And me and Vach were talking about it yesterday. Zach Wilson, BYU, I think he is firmly in the QB3 conversation. I think he is firmly in the top 10 pick conversation. It's a really talented guy. This is going to be a really exciting quarterback draft this year. I can't wait. So if you're sort of in that top five range right now, as we talk about the old tankathon, uh, the uh, it's it's not you know it's not nothing if you're not the number one pick of this year. Something that's, that's, you know, fun about that is normally, okay, there's this clear number one guy, but the second quarterback may go third overall. Then, like, you know, you may be Josh Allen going 9 or 11 or something like that. I'm looking at the quarterbacks in this class. If Trevor Lawrence doesn't exist, Justin Fields is the number one guy. If Justin Fields doesn't exist, I think Zach Wilson from BYU could be the number one guy. Now, Trey Lance may be the guy that ends up around five or so, but if those first three guys are one, two, and three, and and Justin and um uh, Lance ends up being five. Then me as a Cowboys fan, like, hey, come get these picks, man. They're running out. <laughs> come on, get all this all this premium stuff. So even if you're rich, right? If you're a Jaguars fan, you know you may not get Trev, but we got guys that we feel really good about in this top five. So should be fine. Well, it definitely should be fun. As always, you can follow Vach and Rich on their social media handles. Great stuff when it comes to the college game, the draft, trading up, trading down, all the different permutations. Certainly a lot of fun to discuss. Well, do not forget to get Red Zone on to Zone. Listen, seven hours of uninterrupted football. It is where you want to be when you want to watch all your football action. Speak of the games themselves here, boys. Let's dig into a few of these that could be awfully tasty. Seattle and L.A., the Seahawks have scored the most points. The Rams have allowed the second least overall. That's right. When you think of the Rams, you don't necessarily think of the great defense beyond Aaron Donald. But, yes, they've been really good. So, 
a potent offense against a relatively stingy defense. Rich, who you got? Seattle or L.A.? I think I'm going to take Seattle because I think Seattle can win the shootout here. Uh, I do think the Rams have just been, I think the Rams have been quiet this season, right? Sort of quietly going about their business, still as solid as ever. Took a, took a step forward from last season where they were very underwhelming, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, the Rams are still there. The Rams are still a team with so many premium players that you absolutely have to pay attention to them, have to remember that they can be on every on any given week. Uh, but, of course, I love the Seahawks. I, I, I'm taking the Seahawks here. Uh, that offense is just too sexy. Well, the Rams' defense looks good because they played the Cowboys, the Washington Football Wizards, the Giants, and the and the the the, the, the Niners. So, of course, they're going to look good. But Seattle, it doesn't matter who they're playing against. They're going to hang 45 points on the board. DK Metcalf is a fantasy stud. And he's on all my teams. I'm looking to go to a championship with that dude. Um, you know, you can try to put points up on the Seahawks. I mean, Jared Goff is capable of doing it. We've seen him do it before. But can you do it back-to-back-to-back to back to back in a shootout? So, I don't think so. I'm I'm going Seahawks. All right, next game up here, Minnesota and Chicago. Listen, the Vikings we haven't talked a whole lot about because obviously they got up to a terrible start, but Dalvin Cook has been a machine. Like, you just look at those numbers. You're all right, toward all-purpose yards. Here we go. He's got five touchdowns in his last two games, though he's never been great against the Bears. I know none of us are very bullish on the Bears right now at five and four, but how about it, Vach? Minnesota, Chicago. Do you like the Bears or are you taking the Vikes? I'm not bullish on either, but uh, if you look at the Vikings, the one thing that they have right now is Dalvin Cook, like you said. And it seems like in football, every five weeks, there's a new best running back in the league right now. It was Derrick Henry. Christian McCaffrey had his time. Zeke, Aaron Jones. So now it's the Dalvin Cook time. So if you just want to take the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands, which is hilarious. If you want to take the ball out of his hands, just give the ball to Dalvin Cook 30 or 40 times, and you know you will be led to the promised land. On the opposite side, the Bears have great defense, and – the Bears' defense have been pretty good at containing Dalvin Cook. So if Dalvin can get going, then we have Vikings. If they can stop Dalvin and Nick Foles can just barely pull one out, then we'll go Nick Foles. So if I got to pick, I guess I go Bears because they're, they've been the, the winning team for the past, you know, however many or so weeks. I actually take the Bears fairly confidently. I cannot believe I'm saying that about a Bears team that just really struggles to play offense. But I'm, I'm going to bet big on the Bears defense in this game. I, You know, what is it? Dalvin Cook, I think 400 combined rushing yards the last two weeks or something crazy like that. Uh, I don't think that's something that is sustainable. For some reason, it didn't seem like the Lions knew the Bears or the Vikings were going to run the ball on Sunday, which is odd to me. I think the Bears will come out with a good enough game plan to stop the run. And, and I think the Bears will find a way to win this game, particularly because I don't think it's all going to fall on Nick Foles because of how low scoring it's going to be. Uh, this is this is the whatever the opposite of a shootout is is going to be this. Exactly, defensive <laughs> sh- struggle here. All right, Buffalo and Night Arizona. <laughs> I already know you guys are not big on the Bills. Kyler Murray, one passing touchdown, one or more passing touchdowns, excuse me, and one or more rushing touchdowns. Seven of eight games this season. Rich, I'm assuming you're going to take Arizona at home here against Buffalo, as you said, the inconsistent Josh Allen. Come on, baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking my Cardinals here. I cannot wait to watch this game. I think this is another yet another matchup of really good uh, young quarterbacks. I think despite what we have said about Josh Allen, he is clearly one of the young quarterbacks that we will be seeing around for a long time, whether he is an elite tier quarterback or a good tier quarterback or not. How long has Kirk Cousins been around? And nobody would say he's elite. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is sort of a measuring stick stick game, I think, because with Kyler Murray, you know, we know what he can do throwing the ball, obviously, but the rushing attack that he brings to the table 
it creates such a conundrum for defenses when you run as well as he do as he does. He is such a unique running talent. I love watching Kyler Murray play. The Cardinals are going to blow the Bills out because Bills fans deserve it. Uh, the Cardinals' defense isn't the greatest in the world, but I think they're better than the Seahawks' defense. So y'all can lean into that one Seahawks game if you want to, but I got the Arizona Cardinals beating the hell out of the Bills. Pull the sirens out, then, I guess, if you're a Bills fan. And last one to discuss here, guys, Chargers in Miami. How exciting is this? Two of the These guys could be two of the faces of the NFL for years to come. Justin Herbert, the Chargers, Tua Tungvaluwa, and the Dolphins. Vach, who you got? This will be a fun one. I would say that they had the more fun games last week. You know, you would look at the games last week and think that these big record teams would be the one that the Saints and Bucks would be the fun games. But these young guys are out there putting up the points and making this thing interesting. So we're looking at this one. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert, consistent, consistent, consistent. Uh, we're looking at Tua Tagovailoa. Can he get going? Now, I think this is going to be a nuanced prediction. I think the Chiefs, I mean, pardon me, the Chargers are going to win the most of the game. But then they're going to blow their lead at the end because that's what they've been doing the last five games. So <laughs> I'm going to go Dolphins at the very, very end, maybe overtime. At some point in time, the Chargers have got to win a one-score game. If the game comes down to one score, I'm just playing the probability that, for God's sakes, the Chargers have got to win one of these games. So if it's close, I'm going to take the Chargers because the math cannot continue going on like this. But the Dolphins can do some things on defense, I think, that Justin Herbert has never seen yet. Uh, as a young quarterback, I think they can, they will be able to really confuse him. Uh, and if this game gets out of hand, if Justin Herbert gets into some turnover trouble, obviously I think the Dolphins will roll in this game. But close, uh, if it's close, give me the Chargers, finally. All right, look forward to lots of great games coming up this weekend. And don't forget, the Rookie Diaries on zone. I just spoke to Steelers rookie Chase Claypool. Phenomenal guy. we got stories about uh, big touchdown against the Ravens, how the Steelers were able to overcome the Cowboys, talk and smack with Leighton Vanderesh, his TikTok videos. I mean, Chase Claypool is doing it all right now. So make sure you check out DeZone's platform there, the Rookie Diaries, my latest interview, episode four there with Chase. And honestly, listen, fantasy football, fantasy season's coming down the wire right now. Everybody could use a helping hand. So how about it? Wesley Chang, Steven Soyos, they're there to hook you up with the lineup. And this is coming to all of you on Thursday. We're recording this on a Wednesday. So Tonight, me, Vach, and Richard are all going to watch John King of CNN on Jimmy Kimmel Live. You should go back and watch it because it was an absolutely breathtaking interview, I'm sure. Thanks so much for checking out more football. We'll see you next time.